0: Let's pray. God, we, we thank you. We thank you for, just thank you for this, this place that has provided for us to gather. We can come um, in your name. We can speak the name of Jesus freely in this place. Help us not to take that for granted. Help us to rejoice in the fact that we have the freedom to do that. And we thank you for those who have who fight for our freedom to be able to do that. God, we pray for those that are, that are unable to be here this morning for whatever reason. I know uh, some special friends of ours, Joe and Sharon Leathers, um, they have a close family friend of 40 years that she lost her life just recently, just unexpectedly through an illness, and they are there comforting her husband. And, and that's just one reason why someone wasn't able to be here today, and there's many more, I'm sure. God, we just, let, we just pray that you lift them up and encourage them today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that's in your word and, it, and the difference that it makes when we open it up, when we read it, when we internalize it, and then we walk out of this place and live it out. Um, help us to do that today. Help us not to miss what it is you're trying to say to us today. Help me not to miss what it is you're trying to say to me today. So be with us, go with us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, in the last few weeks, you've been doing hard things, right? We're in this this series of do hard things, and we, we cranked it up back in May when we talked about doing hard things that take us out of our comfort zone. Some of you, like I said, you did that this morning when you came to church for the first time. We last week we looked at doing hard things that go above and beyond what is required or expected of you. And we we talked about We talked about giving, we talked about serving, and we'll continue to to encourage you to, to, to explore those things that take us above and beyond what's expected or required. And we looked at things that were required of us as followers of Jesus. And today, we're going to look at hard things that require you to do it with someone else. They're too big for you to do alone. And you know, let me just be honest with you, life is too big for you to do it alone. And you should not try it. Don't attempt this at home, ladies and gentlemen. You need other people. You need other people in your life. That's the reason why church is so vital. It's a community of people that come together. And we encourage one another. We spur one another on. We, we comfort one another. We challenge one another. And this life of following Jesus is not meant to be done alone. And so we're going to look at some of those things. We're gonna, we're gonna, there's going to be an emphasis on what it is to, to serve the body here locally, um, in our community, in the world. How, what is it like to serve with one another in each other? So just real quick, this piece of paper that I, that I wanted you to look at, take that out, take that out. And so this is opportunities to serve right here in, in our body and in, in our community so look at this form. Here's some ways that you, can, um, that you can jump in and be a part of what it is that we're doing here at the church. Because listen, we can't do it alone. And you can't expect just a few people to do it. Like we need everybody to participate. Everybody can do something, even if it's just a small thing. And so if you, uh, if you say, you know what, I just want to be that, that front door face, that greeter. I could, be, I could be that. I could pass out bulletins and just be nice to people. You know you can be nice to people for thirty minutes, right, on a Sunday morning? Yeah, surely you can. And so he said, "Well, I want to be a greeter." Joy, where are you at? Joy, stand up. All right, everybody, look. Everybody, just look at her, make her feel uncomfortable. All right, Joy, <laughs> Joy is in charge of the greeters. You say, "You know, I could do that." Talk to Joy, and she will, um, she will get, a, she'll be able to connect with you. So what I want you to do is, I want you to fill this out. I want you to pick one of these areas, a couple of these areas, drop it in the offering basket as you leave today. Now, if you forget to do that, you can do it online. We put that information in the bulletin too. You can go to our webpage, connect or click on serve, and then it'll take you down to the where it says, are you ready to serve? You click that on and it'll, you'll see this form online. It'll send me an email, and then I will connect you with the right people. But it'd be just as easy just to do it today, drop this in the basket. Matter of fact, we're not gonna let you leave today until you fill this form out. I'm just kidding. You can leave, just kidding. If you, uh, hospitality and coffee, if you love coffee and you love being hospitable and you love serving, uh, Brian, stand up. This guy right here, you talk to Brian. He'll be the guy. If you say, you know what, first through fifth graders, I love first through fifth graders. How can I be involved in helping teach them? We do it two Sundays a month, second and third Sunday of the month. And we have two, two um, rotations of teachers right now. It'd be nice to have more so they can be in church with their family on a more regular basis. And so you say, I love first through fifth graders. I can be involved in that. Dawn Fountain, who was just over here just a minute ago with the kids, you would talk to her. Now, listen, this is the hardest area in church life to get people to volunteer. It's just by, um, hands down, it's the hardest area. That is in the children's area with the, like the little kids, like nursery, all the way up to kindergarten. And I, and I want to be honest with you. We, we can no longer continue to do children's ministry without more help. We just can't do it. I'm just being real. And so here's a guideline. If you have children that are benefit, benefit in that area, they go there, and they, they, they're actually blessed in that area, then you need to volunteer. And if you volunteer and if enough people volunteer, it's only going to happen once a quarter maybe. And you can do that, right? It's a small thing. It's a hard thing, I know, but it's a small thing, and we need your help. We just do. And if, if people don't show up and don't volunteer, then we have to close the door and say we can't do it because there's nobody here to help your, take care of your kids. And they're going to be sitting with you. If you don't want that, you need to volunteer. <laughs> All right? I'm just saying. Jamie Reynolds, Jamie Reynolds, David's wife, is in charge of children's ministry. You can connect with her. You, if you fill this form out and you mark that box, I'll make sure that you get connected with her. We have a food pantry that we help out on Wednesday nights called the Treasure Chest. It's through the school system, and we feed hungry people. Justin Tyler is our guy. Is Justin here today? I don't think he's here. Justin is our guy. I'll connect you with him if you want to serve on a Wednesday night, just helping other people get basic necessities. Parking lots. Kyle here. Sometimes he wanders in back over here. Kyle Haas. If you want to be out in the parking lot, just greet someone as they pull into the parking lot. We need people to do that. Youth ministry. Youth ministry. We need people who are willing to volunteer and help lead students, grades 6 through 12. You would connect with me about that. Worship team, Tony's the worship. The drummer, he's more than just a drummer. Yes, he's more than just a drummer. He's a husband. He's a father. And he's our leader. And so if you say, hey, listen, I have the gift. I, have a, I love to sing. Um, sometimes people love to sing and they're not really great at it, you know. Tony will be honest with you about that. He'll say, thank you for trying, but you're not really that great. You can't sing on the stage. But he'll be honest. But you could try out. That would be awesome. If you want to help with audio visual, those words that go up on the screen, they don't do it automatically. Somebody has to push a button. You think, like, I could do that. That's, that's pretty, pretty uh, easy stuff. Jump in. Be a part of that. If you know anything about music, sound, and technical stuff, we'd love to have you show up on a Sunday morning, help us set up, and we'd love you to stay and tear down. Tony's the guy. We'll talk about that. Prayer chain. If you love to pray and you, get an, you, want, you don't mind getting an email and getting requests to pray about, mark that. And I will, I will connect. I'll put you on the list and you'll start getting the emails immediately of prayer requests that happen throughout the week. Meal train. Janae. Janae is our meal train lady. And so if you have people, we have people that sometimes they surgery or sickness or new baby or whatever, and they, they need some help, just some extra meals throughout the week to kind of sustain them, Janae is your lady. And you can just get on the email list and you can say, yeah, I can do that or no, I can't. I mean, it's just, that, it's just that simple. And then if you say, I don't know, Brady, I'm not really sure what I want to do or how I can be involved in that, then you mark that box and then we'll talk. It's that simple, right? That's my infomercial for serving We cannot do it alone. We're not supposed to do it alone. And and we need you. We need you to step up. You will get more out of this church experience if you get involved and serve than you will just sitting here and leaving every Sunday morning. I'm telling you, that is reality. And the people who serve, they'll tell you that's true. And they make lifelong connections with people that they serve with, and it's a beautiful experience. And I want to encourage you about that. So, there are those who are already doing it, obviously, and those are the people you want to get it connected with and do it with them. Because teamwork, what, makes the dream work. Teamwork makes the dream work. And in Ecclesiastes, it says that two are better than one because they have a greater return for their work. When two people are helping one another, or three, or four, we get more accomplished because we need each other. So I want to ask you this question this morning. What do you dream about? What do you dream about? If Is it about starting a business? Is it maybe starting a ministry? Maybe it's a, a business that becomes a ministry. Like you have a desire to, to do something that is going to make an impact in the kingdom. Not the chief's kingdom, but the kingdom. Like you have a, a heart and a desire. You have the ability to, to, you're an entrepreneurial spirit maybe, or you have the ability to create or cast vision or whatever it is, and you want to do something, you have a dream, you have a desire to do something. Now you can't maybe do it right now today, but you can start doing it even as we speak. Even you're dreaming about it, you're thinking about it. Maybe you, uh, we were talking about this yesterday at our, our uh, we had a board meeting, and we were talking about we would love everyone to have the experience to go outside of this country on a mission trip and serve others in a different world and change your perspective it will change the way you view life, the way you view your own life. It'll just change. Ali, am I right? It changes your heart. Danielle, am I right? They went with me to Peru. They know Paul and Yesenia went back to their home country. And it just changes the way you see life around you. We would love for everyone to have that experience if possible. But you can't do it alone. Well, you could. I mean you could go alone if you wanted to, but it's so much more powerful when we do it together. And if you have this desire, this this dream to start something new or whatever, you've got to do it with someone else. Be careful who you choose to do it with. Okay, Make sure you choose wisely who it is you're doing these incredible adventures with. In Proverbs 13.20 it says, If you walk with wise people, you will grow wise. But if you are a companion of fools, you will suffer harm. Choose wisely who it is that you do these things with. May I ask you, here's a question. You guys, want you to respond to this. Who are some famous partnerships? Like just in culture, in our world, like, like Batman and Robin. All right, that's one, one that came to my mind really quickly. Famous partnerships. Lewis and Clark, all right, yeah. Great adventurers. We probably are here partly because of them. They found something that we didn't know. Bert and Ernie, Yes. Right there, Bert and Ernie shaped the minds of many young people over the ages, including my own. Ben and Jerry, thank you guys for, yeah, I talked to my friend about ice cream. Yeah, thank you for Ben and Jerry. That's good. I'm glad I asked these questions because I wasn't this creative. I was thinking about, uh, I was thinking about Starsky and Hutch. Anybody remember Starsky and Hutch? Yeah, some of us older people. Who? Snowman and the Bandit. Yeah, and he just passed away, yeah, Burt Reynolds, yeah, Who? Smith and Wesson, <laughs> Simon and Garfunkel, there we go, Norm and Carla, it's a famous couple, Frank and Nancy, Tom and Jerry, those cartoons, yeah, how about, um, I don't know, I'll, I'll just get like churchy on you, how about the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, <laughs> Kind of a triad there. Kind of, it's a valuable partnership there. Uh, they're responsible for a lot of things. <laughs> responsible for men. Let us create man in our image. They created man. How about Adam and Eve? You know what Scripture it says that it's not suitable for man to be alone, or not good for man to be alone, so God made a suitable helper for him. Because men can't really accomplish much on their own. They need some help. Amen. Because behind every good man is a woman. Rolling her eyes. Moses and Aaron, good partnership there. Moses is like, Lord, I can't speak. Well, but Aaron can. Together you guys can make this happen. Uh, Mary and Joseph. Though Joseph really didn't have much to do with the beginning, <laughs> the conception part. He was there to help raise, to get married where she needed to be. Uh, Jesus and his disciples. A few weeks ago, we talked about Paul and Silas. They were in ministry together. They ended up in prison and how they reached out and and, uh, brought salvation to the jailer and his family. How about this partnership? I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but I want you to think about this this morning. How about the Holy Spirit and you? Dynamic partnership. Because apart from the Spirit living in us, we can do nothing. I mean, there's, we could do some things, but nothing of significance, really. So the Holy Spirit and you. You know, in John chapter 14, by the way, real quick, uh, if you have a Bible, turn to Mark chapter 2, because we're going to land there. Mark chapter 2, but we're working our way that direction. It's in the New Testament. Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Gospels, four Gospels. So Mark, that Gospel, if you can find Signal and you have an app on your phone. Try to f- figure out how to get it that way. So as you're looking for that, you know in John chapter 14, Jesus makes this amazing statement. He says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Now listen, he didn't say that men are going to be able to do the exact same miracles that he did. I don't know any other man who's able to walk on water. We cannot raise people from the dead. Maybe we've never fed thousands of people with just a little bit of bread and some fish. But here's the thing you have to understand. Jesus' earthly ministry had really been largely limited to just Galilee and Judea. It's just a small area, really, within walking distance, Jesus' impact. But his disciples, however, were going to extend his ministry to what they would say the uttermost parts of the earth through the power of the Holy Spirit coming to live in an individual, and that person then spreads this, this message throughout the earth. The gospel would have a worldwide impact. Is that true? It has. It's affected the whole world. It's affected you and me. As God's people pray in Jesus' name, answers would come. And the greatest miracle of all, the spiritual transformation of a sinful heart through faith in Christ would become commonplace to the glory of God. And that happens through people. People who are just willing to step aside and let somebody else go first. People who are willing to... Speak the name of Jesus in a situation where it's appropriate, where you can say, hey, well, this is, this is what I believe about Jesus. What about you? Or this is how Jesus has impacted my life. Here's how he can impact yours. Something very simple. Do you know that in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you will receive power and ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my what? What will you be? Witnesses. Okay, To tell people about me is what he says, both in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and ends of the earth. So let me ask you a question. What does a witness do? Tells the story, talks about what they've seen. They testify to the truth. Who is truth? Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I'm the life. And so if you are a witness of His, you testify to the truth of what you've seen in Him and what He's done in you and what He can do through you. And so you testify about that. And He gives you power to do that. So you're not doing it on your own. You're not doing it alone. He actually empowers you to do it. Now, we have to partner with Him like He empowers us, but we have to actually step out in faith Our faith must have action to go behind it. We can talk about it, but there's got to be some action that comes along with it. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts so that we can use them to honor Him and to serve others. Do you know that? It's actually in Scripture it says that those gifts are given to us so that we can administer His grace in various forms. We are givers of His grace in various forms throughout the earth. And we have all been gifted differently. Some of us have similar gifts. Like some of you, as we were going through this list, certain things really spoke to you. Other things like, nah, that's not my gift. And that's okay. We want you to serve in the area that you're gifted in. Well, you're like, well, how do I know what my gifts are? Well, if you go to our webpage and go to that area where it says serve, Down at the bottom, it says, You want to discover your spiritual gifts? Click on this link right here. And it'll take you to a link where you can actually take a test and it'll help you discover what your spiritual gifts are. You'll be surprised what you discover. And so we do these things empowered by the Holy Spirit. Okay, Mark chapter 2. It's a really cool story. When he, Jesus, entered Capernaum, again after some days, he'd been traveling, he'd been doing ministry, and Jesus came back to Capernaum. And it says that it was reported that he was at home. Now I did some research on this, and in some different translations it'll say he was at a home, he was back in the area. But in this particular translation that I'm reading out of, the Christian Standard Bible, it says that he was at home. So let's just Just for illustration, let's just think about this. Jesus was in his home, and so many people gathered together that there was no more room, not even room in the doorway, and he was speaking the word to them. He was sharing truth with them. Jesus was testifying to this group of people in his home. Now, I want you to think about your own home right now, wherever it is that you live, And I was thinking about this uh, last night as I was preparing this. I was thinking about my own home. Some of you know we just moved and just getting settled in. I'm thinking, I'm sitting there in my living room and I'm preparing this message. And listen to what happened. They, so if it's they, it's more than one, but they don't have any names, They're, they're not named in Scripture. It says they came to him bringing a paralytic, carried by four of them. All right, so now we know how many of them there are, but we don't know who they are. Since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they instead, in one translation it says, they went up on top of the roof above him, and after digging through it, they lowered the mat on which the paralytic was lying. Do you not think that would be odd? Even in that culture, that would be odd. And I was thinking about my own home, and what would I think if all of a sudden dirt starts to fall? Sam's a builder. Like, Sam could probably tear a pretty good sized hole in a, in a roof if he needed to. You know? And what would it be like if all of a sudden, like, the insulation starts falling through and drywall falls down? And you look up and there's these four people with a guy on a mat. That would be an odd circumstance. It's not normal. It doesn't happen every day. Now, that culture, the, the ceilings, were, the roofs were a little bit different, obviously. They were made with, uh, with um, like clay that was on top of branches. And so it was a little easier probably to dig a hole through. But nonetheless, it would be unusual. So they dig this hole. And it says they lowered the man on this mat at the feet of Jesus. Listen to this, verse 5. Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes who were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right away, Jesus perceived in his spirit what they were thinking. They were thinking like this within themselves. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or say, get up and take your mat and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he got up, took the mat, and went out in front of everyone. As a result, they were all astonished or astounded and gave glory to God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. So they, these four men, these four guys, these friends of this other guy, maybe they, maybe they were close friends, maybe they are just acquaintances, whatever. They had a unique spiritual gift. That is the gift of mat carrying. Did you know that? Spiritual gift of the ability to hold a corner <laughs> and carry a mat. Now that's not actually a spiritual gift, but the spiritual gift of mercy is. And you may be so moved by the suffering of other people, you are willing to do whatever it takes to help them in their suffering. That means you're gifted with maybe a gift of mercy or a gift of compassion. And you have this desire to help other people. That's a great gift to have. And I'm not saying that if you don't always feel that desire, you don't have other gifts that are just as important. But that particular gift of mercy These men must have at least had a part of that. And they knew that if they could just get this man to Jesus, Jesus could help him. So had they been helped themselves by Jesus? We don't know. We don't know the rest of that story. Have they seen other people who had been helped by Jesus? Maybe. Had they heard about Jesus' miracles? Had they heard other people testifying about Jesus? It's very possible that that stirred them enough to know that Jesus could do something for their friend. And so they brought their friend to Jesus. And they went to great extremes. Did you see what it says? Seeing their faith, Jesus saw the evidence of their faith that they must believe so much that they were willing to go to great extremes. And they knew it was not something they could do on their own. They needed each other to make it happen. And they take Jesus, or this man, to Jesus' feet. Now what did the man need more than anything else? What did he need? Forgiveness. More than just being able to walk again, he needed to be free again from his sin. And so that's the first thing Jesus offered this man. He says, your sins are forgiven. Charles Spurgeon, who's an incredible Uh, gifted pastor, preacher, teacher, writer of the the past. He's gone now. In his study notes wrote, this fact that his sins were forgiven was laying the ax at the root because sin is at the bottom of all sorrow. Sin is at the bottom of everything that we suffer in life. Underneath the skin is original sin. If you want to just peel it back, you'll see sin is involved. And that is at the bottom of all sorrow. And he says, and where sin is pardoned, even the effects of sin will be removed. And only Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, you need to hear this. I know you've heard it a million times. You've got to hear it again. Only Jesus can take away your sin. Only Jesus. The church... Your pastor, I mean, I can offer you, I can say yes, I forgive you and speak forgiveness over you, but only Jesus has the power enough to take away your sin. That is biblical, foundational, gospel truth. And if a church isn't teaching that, they're not teaching the truth. It's just, that's the truth. And I'm testifying right now to that truth. That only Jesus has the power to take away your sin. Do you know someone this morning that needs Jesus desperately? It might be you, or it might be somebody that you know. Hear me. Do you know someone that needs Jesus so desperately? that you were overwhelmed with the thought, if I could just somehow get them to him or somehow get him to them. Does that move you at all? I mean, does it move you to the point of action? Seeing their faith, Jesus says. He saw their faith. It was faith in action. It wasn't like, yeah, we know we need to get this man to Jesus, but what do we do? I don't know. I, I don't know. How about we take him to Jesus? So I was struck with this thought. This thought that I am naive enough still to know that Jesus is still the answer. Do you hear what I'm saying? I am naive to believe that Jesus is still the answer to everything that ails us. Are you convinced of that this morning? Come on now, are you convinced? Do you believe that to the point that if you had to pick up someone and carry them and dig a hole in the ceiling and drop them down to Jesus, would you do it? All right? Or maybe just the first start is, is just giving somebody else your spot in line. That's the first step. That may be not as drastic as digging a hole in the ceiling, but that's a good start. All right? That's just one tile off the ceiling. And so I immediately thought of this young man named Zach. Zach is a drug addict. Self-admitted. And he cannot break the addiction. Two weeks ago, his fiance called me and said, Would you please come and would you meet with us? I need you to meet with us. We we really want to get our life together. We, we want to get married someday. They have a little boy together, and Zach is a 23-year-old addict. Would you come? said, so sure. I knew his fiance through uh, Vineyard Church when I served, uh, served there. I knew her grandmother. I knew her dad. And then I met her at Starbucks on Barry Road. And I, so I know her, too. So I have a connection with this woman. She says, will you come? I said, sure. So I went and I met with them and we talked. We spent time together. We had conversation. We um, we started going through this material called Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts. It's called SIMBUS. It's an incredible online assessment of relationships. It's a great tool to help walk through some of the stuff that just figure out kind of why things are happening the way they're happening. But underneath the skin of all of it is this sin of addiction that he's struggling with, this darkness, this, this desperation in his life. And he can't break free of it. And so my thought is if I could just get him to Jesus, We talked about spiritual things. And I I looked to him and I said, Zach, will you commit to me that this Sunday, this is a couple days after I was there, this Sunday you will go to church. If it's not our church, will it be some church? Go to the Vineyard, go to the Rock of KC. And when you get there, you go up and you have a pastor pray for you. You have somebody take you to Jesus. Will you do it? He said, yeah, I will. Let me share with you my uh, conversation with Zach. His fiance reached out to me a few days ago and said, we need to meet again, Zach is struggling. He's used again. More guilt, more shame piled on guilt and shame that he's been carrying around for years. And I said, hey man, how you doing? How you been? I already knew how you'd been but I wanted to see if he was going to be honest with me. I've been good, just working, trying to take it day by day. The day I was supposed to go to church like I told you I would, I ended up getting in trouble, and now I'm even more set back. Moments later, so maybe not so good, I guess. I try to stay positive, but the addiction is something I have to get past mentally. I had a slip-up, and I'm just tired of making the wrong decision. You ever been there? Maybe you're there right now. I said, start over today. Get out of bed. Go to church tomorrow. You need to start somewhere. Today's the day. Yep, I know. I've been trying. This was yesterday at 12.14 p.m. Listen to his message at 6.54 p.m. Went to church. Now listen, this is just after I've had this thought. If I could just get into Jesus, if I, he's desperate, he needs to be at Jesus's feet. He needs forgiveness. He needs healing. Six fifty four p.m. We went to church tonight at the Rock, and I got prayer from Pastor Philip. And I'm really just at a loss of words, but I know I'm ready to turn my back on the grips of the devil. That he has had on me and really step into what God has in store for me when I fully devote myself to him. Maybe we can meet again sometime soon. Even if I just meet you for a quick coffee, I just really think that this is it for me and there's no going back. I now I finally feel strong enough to pray for myself and have hope and faith. Thank you for stirring my heart. I'm full of emotions. I haven't felt this in a long time. My heart feels full. Amen. Would you commit to sometime today praying for this young man named Zach? That no more darkness, no more deception, no more lies, no more guilt, no more shame, no more addiction. That God would set him free. Do you believe that Jesus, do you, are you naive enough, naive enough to believe that Jesus could do it? Will you pray in faith or will you doubt? And be tossed back and forth by the waves. Don't do it. Believe in faith. I said, dude, this makes me cry happy tears. (laughs) I still haven't grasped, but he said, very surreal feeling, but I also feel very relieved knowing that it's all going to be okay. I want to dive in headfirst, though I think maybe you could help me or point me in at least the right direction. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. That can't do it on his own. And he needs other people to come alongside. Maybe he, he, was, he was so paralyzed that somebody else had to pick up his mat and carry him to Jesus. Maybe you will never get the opportunity to literally carry someone on a mat and lay them at the feet of Jesus. But listen to this you can carry others to Jesus while on your knees in prayer with others. You hear what I'm saying? Maybe there's not four corners to a mat. Maybe it's four people standing holding hands, interceding, praying for someone else. That's the best thing you can do for someone. The most powerful thing you could do for someone. Families, you want to see transformation in your life and in your home? Start praying together. Do you hear me? Start praying together. Crying out to the Lord together. Start praying for one another. Husbands and wives, start praying for each other. Stop hurting each other and start praying for one another. Do you hear me? You want to to see God move in your life? And in your relationships, gather a few other people around you and start praying. Cry out to the Lord on behalf of others and on behalf of yourselves. Bring other people to Jesus on your knees in prayer. Do I need to say it anymore? Do you hear what I'm saying? It'll change the atmosphere in your home. It'll change the atmosphere in your community. It'll change. Kids, listen, it'll change your school. I remember a day when kids used to gather at schools at lunchtime and pray until until they told them, you can't do that anymore. And they're like, you can't stop us from praying. Pray. That's something you can do together. And there's power when we pray together. You can step out in faith in a greater measure to do hard things that cause those around you to see your faith and be amazed just like in a story do you want to see god move like that in your life where other people are amazed like what is man what has happened to you you used to be this guy and now look at you you're not the same because of your encounter with Jesus. The worship team's going to come. And so here's my my encouragement to you today. I want to encourage you to pray. I want to encourage you to pray right here, right now, either right where you're at or come up. Maybe it's not um, bringing people to Jesus and digging a hole in a roof, but maybe it's you coming forward Faith in action is saying we're going to come. We come as a family. Maybe it's come as individuals. We're going to come and we're going to pray. Maybe you know someone like Zach who desperately needs Jesus today, and you need to lift them up in prayer. So who's going to be first? Who's going to come and start? Start it off. Just coming and praying. Maybe you're you know someone that's here today that's hurting. You need to go to that person and say, "I'm going to take you to Jesus in prayer right now." Maybe you want to put him on this rug and carry him around or something. That would be cool if you want to do that. But I just want you to come. And I want you to pray.